0: Hey and welcome back to Giovanni Andreoli's Movies and More, where I talk about movies and more. All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I'm here to talk about the next two films in the Spider-Man franchise, and those are The Amazing Spider-Man and The Amazing Spider-Man Two. So these are that's uh, kind of the incomplete trilogy um, that followed Raimi's original trilogy of Spider-Man films. Uh, it was a it was it was a hard reboot, and it was. Uh, Kind of a big deal. I mean, Raimi's Spider-Man 4 was something that was supposed to happen. I think there were talks about it all the way up until 2011. And then eventually the plug was pulled and they decided to go in a totally different direction. Well, to some extent. Um, What they decided to do was try to repackage Raimi's first movie as Batman Begins, is what I would describe this movie as. I think that if you just break it down to essential plot points these are basically the same exact movie but obviously the differences lie in the in the details and the presentation uh, is a big part of it but I am of the opinion that The Amazing Spider-Man is not that bad um I think it's a perfectly okay Spider-Man movie I obviously don't think it's great um it would rank relatively low uh, if I was you know trying to like kind of place all of the movies, but i don't think it's as bad as some people make it out to be i actually think that similar to spider man 3 honestly to be to like to really put the whole franchise in perspective i think that even at its worst the movies always have at least some things that are redeeming i don't think any of them are like thoroughly unwatchable i would say amazing spider man 2 is probably the closest thing to that because it's just utter nonsense but they're are like some things in that movie that I do like and that I think that were they done better they could have been really really cool but it's just because they happen to be in that movie that they don't get to to really live up to their full potential but in this movie I think the potential was very clear and I think really the reasons that it doesn't work comes down to for one, their whole um, approach to the film. It's kind of obviously cynical. And I think that, like, despite having very talented people behind and in front of the camera, you can't override the fact that this was a move motivated by, you know, financials. This is not because they had a story they were just dying to tell. It was because they wanted to get a new generation of Spider-Man fans in. They wanted to try to um, set the groundwork for eventual sequels and spinoffs. And I think you can really tell, because they're not making a huge effort to do anything new. Like I said, if you really break it down, all the beats of the story are very, very similar. Now, that does bring some new things to the table. For one, Andrew Garfield. Obviously, Spider-Man himself and his surrounding cast of characters are completely new. And I'll say this. I think the casting in both of the movies, uh, it's pretty on point. I really, really like Andrew Garfield in this role. He's probably still my favorite spider-man i would say i don't think he's my favorite peter parker before tom holland i would have said that but i think that as spider-man he's really good he can um he can play emotional moments really well in and out of the mask he does a great job of making this character pretty funny and likable at a lot of points and very relatable in others and i think that despite the fact that he's Clearly, not a high school student. It's something about the hair and like just the youthful quality about him. It kind of works, I guess. I certainly believe that he's in high school more than I believe Toby McGuire is, even though that when they filmed this first one, he was like 28, I think. Like, he wasn't even close. But still, I think that he works better as a high school student than Toby did. And I think that he is a really tremendous actor. In movies besides this one, I mean, he is he's great, and I don't think that a lot of the problems with the performance in this film and the second one are really his fault, I would say in the second one, it's definitely, it's kind of all over the place, and, you know, there's a lot of emotional highs and lows, there's not really a very consistent, like, track you can put him on, he's just, I I don't know, It's, it's crazy, it's all over the place, just like the rest of that movie, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think a lot of that's his fault. I think he's doing the best he can with what he has. It's just, it's not his fault that what he has just isn't that great. And I actually don't think that his interpretation, like the way, on paper, his interpretation of Peter is that bad either. I think that the idea that this kid is starts out angry and driven by revenge and he kind of starts out as a dick, I, I don't think that's a bad s- Uh, starting point. I really don't. I know a lot of people really, really hate that aspect of this movie, that for a lot of it, Peter Parker is a bit of an asshole. But to me, a kid who's been bullied this much, who's been dealt this crap of a hand in life, and just kind of walks around with a chip on his shoulder and doesn't feel like he fits in anywhere, you would start to develop that sort of resentment. And there's definitely shades of that idea in some of the earliest uh, Lee and Ditko stuff. I mean, he's not exactly a happy person, even before you know, like, life starts to get all turned upside down with Spider-Man, he does have some resentment for uh, his, like, the lot he has in life. So I don't think that's altogether a bad idea. I think that they don't do a good enough job of showing his arc of eventually becoming a more compassionate, caring person who's doing this because, you know, he, he knows it's the right thing to do rather than because he's driven by his own selfish goals. I think that they they kind of attempt a moment of that, like when he saves that kid, and, and that's a really great sequence. The whole thing with him taking his mask off and he's holding the van, he's trying to inspire that kid to climb up and everything. That's a really, really well done uh, part of this movie. And then when you get into him like you know, on the bridge, crouched down in that classic pose, and he says, I'm Spider-Man. It's like, that is supposed to be a moment. I think that it could be played as more of a moment. It could be more of a symbolic change for him. But I can see what they were attempting. I see like the parts of it that are there. In terms of other casting in this movie, um, I think that uh Gwen Stacy, obviously, is spot on. Emma Stone is really, really great as this character, and the two of them are great together. Peter and and Gwen are some of the best parts of both of these movies. Their relationship is very genuine and it's very entertaining to watch, and you can really tell that um, Peter excuse me um that Andrew and Emma were dating in real life that chemistry bleeds over on screen which is so funny that uh that Toby McGuire and Kirsten Dunst dated for a while as well and like I said in my previous episode I don't feel like they have good chemistry at all but this is totally not the case with these movies I think they do a really good job almost to the point where sometimes it's too cute where it's like we're just watching like regular people talking to each other and like Joking ground and stuff and well that's cool it, it it doesn't like it's not moving the story forward or anything we're just kind of spinning our wheels watching these two like be cute at each other but still I think it's a lot better than anything that was ever done in the Raimi films so that's a plus in in these movies favor I think one of the biggest things that they fall apart with is being bogged down in some of the the story choices um for instance I think right off the bat, we see the mistake that these movies uh, really, really lose themselves in, and that is the obsession with Peter Parker's parents, who really don't matter. I I don't understand why they're thinking, all right, let's do some new things. Beyond just exploring new villains, we want to include some other new elements of the Spider-Man mythos. That's great. I think that's really awesome. But... Peter Parker's parents are just not the way to go with that, and I've never liked the really like the focus on on them at all because his parents are are Ben Parker and um and uh, and and May Parker like that those are his parents. It's not it's not Richard and Mary whatever the mom's name is. I don't know, but like once they once they leave him with his aunt and uncle and they exit the story, they have served their function. They no longer need to be an important part, especially if what it's going to ultimately lead up to is, like, weird, like, they were spies, sort of, not in this interpretation, but, like, they kind of were. They were working for Oscorp, and Oscorp is doing shady shit, and then they, like... I, I don't know. It's just... It's totally unnecessary, and it really ruins a lot of the the uniqueness of spider-man but i'll get to that more in the second movie um i think another big problem with this movie is the villain um the lizard doesn't really look that great and his plan is really stupid and while there are a lot of parts of it that like isolated are really well done like the the thing where he's got like the the reflection of his hand and that window or whatever and like like that shot is really cool a lot of the d- the dynamic between he him and peter is really well done but I just think that, like, the overall handling of him is kind of clumsy. And you know what? I think that word pretty well, like, pretty pretty aptly sums up this entire movie. I don't think a lot of it's bad. I think a lot of it's clumsy. Um, there's just a lot of things where, like, the staging of it and just the way it comes across on screen, it it just doesn't really work. Um, I give you a perfect, perfect example of that is this iteration of Uncle Ben's death. I do not understand what the 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 progression of events here is so weird to me so okay he goes he storms off after that fascinatingly strange redo of the with great power comes great responsibility line like that's too perfect so let's just really run wild with it let's just completely just expand it totally unnecessarily and it's like you have a moral obligation to do this what just just say the line everyone knows the line just say the line and then he goes to buy the milk and then but then the the dude's being like a dick for no reason like for no reason it's like he's two cents short and he like tries to take the take the penny but like I never used one of those things. I don't know how they work. It doesn't make sense the way it's explained in this movie. was like, you can you can leave a penny anytime. You have to. Sp- oh wait, never mind. No, that doesn't make sense. You have to spend ten dollars to take a penny. What? Whatever. L- listen, I, it's just like it's just like a weird progression of events. And then the guy like knocks over the thing, robs the dude, and like throws Peter to the milk. And it's like, okay, he's angry, so this wouldn't bother him for whatever reason that this dude just got robbed. And then the guy runs out and goes, you know, help me. But like, obviously, no, like I, I wouldn't, okay, regardless of whether or not he was a dick to me before, I am not helping any random shop owner try to chase down a dude with a gun. Like, I'm sorry, it's it's just not happening. I'll call the cops, I'll tell people to get away. I'm not chasing after him over like whatever five hundred dollars or some whatever you know whatever he could have stolen from that register, and then, uh, like he runs into Uncle Ben and the the gun falls out and then instead of just like being like oh shit okay man, and just like kind of backing off, he Uncle Ben screams and goes for the gun like, I, what was he gonna. do? do was he was he trying to get the gun from the guy so that he could like hold the guy at gunpoint was he just trying to get the gun and hope that he was going to run away did he not think that this guy was going to try to fight him for the gun like i don't understand what he's doing here like it's not it's not captain america jumping on a grenade but it's treated like it is it's it's not a heroic sacrifice it's it's just weird and i think it doesn't necessarily have to be he can like he could I don't know, step in front of a bullet for someone or something like that. I mean, they could make that change if they wanted to, but I th- it's just like the way it's staged is is ridiculous. I I think that I I don't know. That it's just it's just so strange. Um I'm trying to think of another example from this. Um I don't know. Um there's a lot of skateboarding in this. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's not that's not relevant. It's just true. Uh, I, I don't know. I I think that I think that really sums it up though. But um I'll tell you tell you one thing I actually really do like in this. I do like a lot of the training montages set to cold play. Um I really like the fight scene in the train, even though it has that weird editing choice where there's like a second of black in between like every hit. That's that's very odd, but I like the idea of it and I think it's funny. Um I uh, I really like the The idea that they attempted with the suit again, I don't totally love how it comes across on screen, but I like that they try to give a practical explanation for how he would create this. Um, that suit in real life, uh, in the original Spider-Man movie, cost like fifty thousand dollars, and th- what you know. And it, and, it, and it looks expensive it looks professionally made obviously you know you wouldn't expect that it would cost that much but when you see it in the movie it's like wait why didn't you just make that before and also how did you make this like how do you have access to the to, to the materials necessary to make this like where did it come from and I think this movie does a, a lot better job of trying to explain that um I just don't think it ends up looking very good but I like that you know he uses the sunglasses as the lenses he's using using the screen print on the spandex like like it does its best to show you how a teenager would go about making this it still looks pretty professionally done um I think that the most accurate interpretation of what something like that would look like is the kind of sweatsuit version that we see in uh, Captain America: Civil War and Spider-Man: Homecoming, the one that the, that version of Peter makes, I think that's the most realistic high schooler-made Spider-Man costume that we've ever seen. But still, I like that the idea. Is there? So I think I've I think I've said kind of my piece on this. Like I said, I think it's perfectly fine. I th- I think it's okay. I really like Sally Field in this. I like um. um I like martin sheen as uncle ben i think that like making him a little bit younger and just like the way that character is played i i like him a lot um i like dennis leary a lot as captain stacy he's pretty much pitch perfect like i said andrew uh andrew garfield and Emma stone are really good in this oh i'll tell you one moment that i really really love uh when flash apologizes to peter that's a great moment i love that that is in there because in the first version of the film, or, or or like the first version of Spider-Man on film, there's never any moment of reconciliation between Flash. He's a totally one-dimensional bully who just exists to get, you know, laughed at and beaten up in that one scene, and then he kind of exits the story. And so far in the newest interpretation of Spider-Man, Flash has a little bit more depth to him. You know, he's, like, got an absentee family of some sort, and he's, like, a weird social media influencer. He's not popular because he's a jock. He's just kind of rich, which I think is a cool idea as well. But it, you never get anything, even uh, remotely, as well done as this. I just... It's 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 really, really well done. And then by the end when they're kind of, like, cool and, and you see the the spider-man t-shirt and stuff and and so you get a hint at that dichotomy of like flash idolizing spider-man but hating peter it's 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 well done i like that part a lot so yeah I, I think that's i think that does it um let's let's get into amazing spider-man 2 wow do i have a lot to say about this one uh first things first though right off the bat well okay a little bit off off of the bat but but still pretty close um i'm gonna skip the first scene of the movie i'll come back to that the second scene of the movie where we see this spider-man swinging and the new suit awesome awesome this is my favorite spider-man costume uh that we've seen on screen so far and something that i i didn't really mention in my review of the first movie but um something that i really like uh just in terms of comic book accuracy because i think that's a big part of why i like it so much is because it's just it's dead on um the only real differences that i would make to it make the eyes be able to move like they do in the newer spider-man movies and make the back symbol like that big uh circular spider rather than just like the same one that's on the front but whatever that's just personal preference i think this suit looks amazing and um one of the one of the things that i really like about this whole this whole interpretation in terms of comic book accuracy is the web shooters because that's something i forgot in my spider man trilogy review is how profoundly disturbing i find the uh the the organic web shooters that is a disgusting idea to me and like just the way that it's done it's got like the the weird white goop on his wrist and it's just like you're squeezing it out like it's so gross like i don't I don't like that choice. I think it's really, really weird. And I like how this one kind of compromises. Uh, in the Amazing Spider-Man movies, he doesn't make the webbing fluid, but he makes the shoot, like the mechanism that shoots it. I think that's a, that's a good way to go about it. If they're kind of trying to ground the films a little bit more, I think it makes a lot more sense that he'd be able to mechanically craft something that could fire a web rather than know how to uh, manufacture and have like the necessary equipment to make the fluid. I think, I mean, that's yeah, that, that makes sense, I like that, so, um, yeah, uh, let's talk about things I like about this movie, um, because it's a much shorter list, I like Dane DeHaan as, um, as this version of Harry Osborn, and I like James, uh, James Franco, what, no, um, what the hell is his name, Jamie Foxx, I like Jamie Foxx as Electro, but, um, I mean they're they're obviously playing cartoon characters because that's what was written for them, but like I said before, I don't have a problem with the casting really at all. I think it's just more the material that these people are given to work with. But um, like as it stands, I think that Daniel Hahn is a really cool uh he's got a cool look for Harry Osborne. And I think that Jamie Foxx, especially seeing like clips and stuff from the new one, has the potential to be a really great electro it's so weird that they chose the Batman forever Riddler approach to villain origin. Um, I think that's just, I, I don't, I don't really like that. Um, but I think that he has a really cool look. And, uh, I think that of the villains in this movie, he's definitely the best somehow. Um, Jamie Foxx's Electro, but yeah. Um, uh, i like peter and gwen's relationship kind of i guess oh actually i i don't like how wishy-washy they are uh but i do like that he that peter parker is seeing the ghost of captain stacy that is a really nice touch that he's haunted by what is definitely a mistake um you know he he made the wrong choice and he knows it but he doesn't want to to you know cast this woman out of his life and and i like that that's that's taking a toll on him and we see that physicalized through the kind of the ghost version of Captain Stacy I think that's that's a cool idea um I like Gwen's death I guess um it's it's well done definitely it's very emotionally affecting I think because they built their relationship up so well and like I said Andrew Garfield is a great actor so he sells the hell out of that moment when he's holding her and you know she she's dead and everything it's it's I mean it's genuinely affecting Uh, Some of the action in this is pretty cool. The Times Square sequence stands out, and as much as I don't like the Green Goblin's inclusion in this movie, the hand-to-hand combat between him and Spider-Man at the end of the movie is pretty brutal and awesome. Uh, The opening sequence with Spider-Man is pretty cool too. I really love that swinging. Like I said before, um, he takes way too long to take uh, the Rhino out. That is ridiculous. I cannot believe that that spider-man let so many people die before he could just like be done telling his stupid jokes but uh yeah whatever um i think that might be about where the list ends though to be honest with you um yeah i don't know the action is kind of cool like i said i nothing will ever top i think like in a a, just a specific action sequence i don't think anything yet has topped the train sequence in spider-man 2 i didn't really touch on that as much as I think I should have in my, uh, my Spider-Man trilogy episode, but like, holy shit, that's an awesome sequence. (sighs) All right, fine, whatever. I'll stop, I'll stop trying to delay the inevitable. This movie sucks. Um, it's an absolute mess. I said in my Spider-Man 3 review that you could see the seeds for what would eventually become Spider-Man 2, and I think that this is easily the worst Spider-Man movie, and they would have to work pretty hard to make something that sucks worse than this um oh i i did remember one more good thing uh that kid that he like helps he saves he saves from the bullies then he walks him home and then the kid dresses up as spider-man later and tries to face down the rhino before actual spider-man shows up really really great that is like the essence of spider-man i love that stuff all right that's it for real um this movie is an absolute mess and i think that you can just see the meddling all over this movie i mean it's never been more clear the studio interference i think possibly in any movie ever um i mean just wow just throwing everything at the wall to see what sticks uh it it's ridiculous i have a lot to talk about here so for one the sony product placement is ridiculous um it's 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 very excessive Uh, in that first scene that i truly despise because um of its implications for the character of spider-man the vio product placement is ridiculous i've never even seen a sony vio in person in in my entire life i don't think like who are you trying to fool here it's almost as egregious as bing in the first movie which <laughs> the, did you know that the top searched uh the top searched thing in bing is google that's hilarious uh but um but yeah like let's get to that scene um i hate the Spider-Man the uh the story of Spider-Man's parents in this movie I, I said it's a problem in the first one but it it's really a problem in this one and I think that's because it completely destroys the essence of Spider-Man Spider-Man is a great character because he's so relatable you feel like he he could be you you know and and, and like he, he could be any of us he is an everyman He's just a a normal person who has normal problems, and he just happens to have these incredible powers and all this responsibility to use them for the good of of people. And, And I think that one of the best parts about that is that there's no destiny aspect to this. There's nothing about this where it's like it had to be this guy. And so when you add in this fact that, like, only only Peter could have been bitten by that spider and gotten those powers because Richard Parker was secretly conducting spider experiments in Oscorp and, and all this stuff, and there's, like, this grand conspiracy backstory to all this, it ruins the thing that makes Spider-Man so special. He's no longer an everyman. You and me, we couldn't be Spider-Man. We can't relate to him because he was destined to be Spider-Man since before he was even born. That's ridiculous and stupid and i hate the whole magic blood plot in this movie it's so stupid those, those writers pulled the same shit on star trek into darkness i don't understand how they didn't get it out of their system it's a really dumb plot device and i don't like the fact that peter doesn't reveal to harry that he is spider-man even though especially when they talk when peter's in the costume he doesn't even try to disguise his voice like Harry's gonna know and it's like yeah, did you think I was just gonna inject it into my veins, like, directly, I mean, he does, eventually, but he's, like, going crazy at that point, or whatever, like, if he would have been given ample time, he owns a science organization, they probably would have experimented on the blood to figure out whether or not it could actually be used as a cure, like, you don't want to at least try, like, come on, dude, it's ridiculous, and, um, and, like, Uh, there's just so many parts of this that just feel like they don't belong in this story. Harry Osborn is so obviously wedged in here that it's baffling to me that they even try to include him. They talk about, you know, Harry and Peter talk to each other like they were old friends and, you know, oh man, we go so far back. But like, in the first movie, when you wanted all these details about Oscorp and stuff, you never thought, oh, hey, wait, I know the owner's son. Like, I know the CEO and founder's son. That didn't occur to you like it it just it it only makes sense if this world was created like yesterday and there was like no thought put into it they just appeared how they are now like or or if you like have just completely forgotten the first one like this just it, it doesn't track and the rhino i'm sorry as entertaining as paul giamatti is in this he just doesn't have a place in this story and neither does the whole oscorp paul of spinoffs bullshit that we get down there like oh look vulture wings oh <gasps> octopus arms like do you get it we're gonna make sequels, like yep we we all see it we we get it we we know what's going on here you like it's just we don't have time for it in this movie and green goblin we don't have time for it in this movie we already have the rhino and electro they and then let's not forget like Alistair Smythe is in there, Dr. Kafka is in there, Black Cat is included, like, and, and I I think there's more that I'm not even, um, I'm not even listing, but like, it's too much. And, and it's just so clear that it's there to try to set up stuff down the line. And it's like, guys, just focus on making one good movie at a time. And then maybe we'll see where that goes. But like, as it is, you can just tell that it's all there just to, to lead to something later. And, and because it's so cynical and so just ridiculously corporate, like, I don't want to see any more. Um, I think this would be a good time to talk about the Sony email hacks because uh, that sheds some light on a lot of their ultimate plans here. Um, so these uh, these were some leaked emails from uh, a pretty legendary Sony hack around the time of this movie. Um it, it, like I said, sheds a lot of light into into where the studio's head was at at the time. So, um, they were developing a handful of of uh, projects besides this movie that were supposed to come out after. Uh, that included Spider-Man 3 and 4 in this series, Amazing Spider-Man 3 and 4. Um, a Venom spinoff, all different than the one we ultimately got, but still, a, a Venom solo movie. Uh, a Sinister Six solo movie bringing Sam Raimi back for an undisclosed something and an Aunt May prequel where she was a spy, which, uh, okay, Uh, maybe she also used weird subway tokens to unlock a secret subway out of the ground. Where did the subway tokens go? Do you get them back? Why did he have them in the calculator if they look like regular subway tokens? Why is this weird lab in in this, whatever. Um, uh, yeah. I also included some notes from Kevin Feige, which I think is some of the most interesting stuff in here. Um, So here are some choice notes from Kevin Feige, because originally the plan was to fold this version of Spider-Man into the MCU. Obviously that ultimately ended up not happening, um, for one, because this movie did not perform very well at the box office at all. It had like a, I think almost like a $400 million budget, including marketing. So, you know, to, to, to be in the clear, they have to at least double that, and then some, and this, uh, I think it made, like, 719 million, or something like that, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it wasn't, it wasn't 800, so it definitely didn't double itself, yeah, it was, it it didn't, it did not pay off, so, yeah, um, and then on top of that, uh, Andrew Garfield spoke out against the film pretty soon after it came out, and he didn't attend a couple meetings with executives, and so it ended up, you know, that resulted in him being fired, and, yeah, it, obviously, the whole MCU partnership uh, didn't end up happening, at least in that form. So, Kevin Feige says uh, that Gwen and Peter's relationship seems too wishy-washy, which I would totally agree with. Um, the 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 uh, dad storyline is dumb, also I would totally agree with this. Uh, okay, this is a little bit paraphrased. <laughs> um... Electro seems too weird right off the bat, and it, and it seems hard to relate to him. Paul Giamatti is way too over the top, and they need to tone down his performance. The surveillance sequences should be of Harry, not of Peter. Uh, Andrew Garfield's performance is very all over the place, and he's too emotional at other points during the movie, which undermines Glenn's death. The planes almost crashing at the climax doesn't really factor in with spider mans story at all, and he needs to be more directly responsible for saving them um there's a better way to transition to the end battle uh he suggested that we we pan across all those different like science experiment suit things that we we did see in the in the finished movie and then one of the cases is broken and then we see that the rhino suit is missing um <clears throat> he uh agrees with me uh, i i <laughs> okay, that was that's a weird way to say that but um but we we uh we're on the same page about the whole spy thing ruining what makes spider-man special um and that's it so yeah those are just a, a choice few notes that obviously like i said i paraphrased a little bit but that i mean that's the general gist it's a lot of the things that i would have said about this movie anyway but i figured why not read uh it from the words of one of the biggest movie producers of all time um i think another really interesting thing that i want to touch on before i wrap this up is that there's a lot of deleted scenes with the movie, from this movie which is insanity to me because this is already so overstuffed i can't imagine that there was more to this but there was and um and i think that like once you get a sense for what some of the stuff was and what might have happened it it really becomes clear that they had no idea where they were going with this this was not a story that they that they felt they needed to tell or that was a logical explan uh ex- extension of the first movie but one that was designed to spin off into other things down the line. So here we go. Um, yeah. So some of the deleted scenes included more to that surveillance plot that we, we kind of see hints of in the finished film where the Oscorp guys are surveilling Peter. We get more of a sense for why they're doing that and what they're finding, um, which like you would almost have to, because it really doesn't make sense in the current version. Um, Spider-Man and Goblin's end fight ended in a lot of different ways Um, and the the way that Gwen died also changed quite a lot from from the beginning of the development of this to the end. Um, One of the versions involved uh, her being stabbed by the Goblin, one involved her being caught by the web but Goblin cutting the web so that she fell, and one involved Goblin just straight up breaking her neck, and all of these ended in Spider-Man and Goblin fighting and Spider-Man beating the Goblin almost to death. Uh, Another version of Gwen's death would have seen her not be totally dead in this movie. Um, It would have seen her be in some sort of precarious situation, which would have required an emergency blood transfusion, and uh, Peter would have transferred the blood to her, which would have given her Spider-Man powers, and she would have joined him in the end sequence as the White Widow, which... I think it's not a bad idea at all. I think that's actually pretty cool. But why would it not turn her into a, a goblin? Because she doesn't have that disease, that made-up disease. I, that doesn't make any sense. But still, I, I don't think that's a terrible idea. Um, one version would have seen uh, the the ending would have been, and this is this is this was shot. You can you can find this. Uh, it was after Gwen's funeral you would have seen Richard Parker show up out of nowhere. And this is honestly it features some really great acting from Andrew Garfield. It's it's actually it's actually pretty well done. But what 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 in the fuck? What were they going to do with that? That that just that blows my mind. I don't understand like that that at all because beyond that as far as we know, there's nothing else to that. Like it's just he shows up and then where do you go from there i think they were like intentionally leaving it open-ended so they could figure it out later but like that's a pretty crazy corner you're boxing yourself into he died in a plane crash and where has he been for all these years like why did he abandon his son like this is an irredeemable character now i'm sorry like that one's truly crazy to me and then probably i think the most interesting aspect of this movie that was cut was jaylene woodley as mary jane now none of this was uh officially released like the the finished footage but you can see parts of it like from set videos. Um you can find that on YouTube pretty easily. Uh it seems to be there's a couple scenes. There's like one where Gwen and Mary Jane talk and there's one where Peter and Mary Jane talk and I think there's like one other one. I can't remember exactly what it is but uh yeah, that's um yeah, that's that's that was what was going on there i mean she looks the part and i mean you can't hear any dialogue or anything like you have no context for these scenes but i think that would have been an interesting thing to explore as well but don't get me wrong it has no place in this movie like i mean seriously it already has so much shit in it and it seems like because it was so easy to cut that you don't even notice it never should have been there in the first place but yeah that one will always fascinate me i'd love to know what that what that would have been but still like i said it it's clear that it shouldn't be in this movie so yeah this has been a long one um thanks for sticking in there with me i i think you kind of get a general sense of how i'm coming down on these movies um the first one i think is okay and the second one i think is uh basically just in a, a complete and total disaster um yeah you're gotta come back next time man we're in the home stretch i'm gonna be I'm going to be recapping my feelings on Spider-Man Homecoming and Spider-Man Far From Home. I got a lot to say about those too, so please stick around. I'll try to keep it shorter than this one because I kind of feel bad that I reviewed three movies in less time than I reviewed these two, but there's so much to talk about with these two movies. It's such a fascinating misstep in the character's history that it's just, it's really ripe for conversation. So I hope you enjoy this uh, because it's such a long one. I'm going to forego, forego the usual outros and just say thank you for listening Um, and I will catch you tomorrow. Peace.